murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope. I have another laptop now that I'm trying to keep in the podcast room. Uh, and that's what I'm using. So we're not to keep taking my MacBook in and out or whatever, but dude, windows, it, it sucks. It's so horrible. You know, I spent like the, I, I hopped on like 30 minutes early and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll you know, I know it's gonna take a few minutes to set up the, you know, the AirPods and the camera and this and that. And it's just like, everything is so painful with windows compared to, you know, the, the Mac just works. You know, 99% of the time, the MacBook just works, but uh, not with not with Windows, man. It's painful. Maybe I'll get a MacBook. Maybe maybe I'll get a MacBook in 2024. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. I'm so used to having the – I'll have to look at them. I'll just have to look at them. Well, it's an ecosystem, and, that, and that's the thing. You know, it's like, hey, if, you, if you're doing something individually, you know, you're just looking for a phone or whatever – uh, you, you know, you could argue that Android devices are just as good, if not better or whatever. But I think what people miss out on and maybe not necessarily miss out on, they, they just don't use it for that purpose. It's, it's the whole ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the Apple TV. It's the iPhone. It's your MacBook. It's your iPad. And the fact that everything is accessible everywhere to me for me, uh, that just makes it you know a whole lot easier. And now they've got the family plan like they do the Apple one or whatever. So it's like, hey, you know, my kids have access to Apple Music now. They've got access to all the magazines and the news and and whatever. It's like well, I'm not having to repurchase things over and over and over again for somebody else to use. So with a- with Apple TV, and probably a lot of our listeners already know this, but some of them don't. I'm a listener. Sometimes I don't know. So with Apple TV, what channels come with that? Like, to, is it like YouTube TV and Hulu, or is it just exclusively Apple content? Uh, it's, it's everything. So imagine your Apple TV basically being like an iPad hooked up to your TV. So it's like a fire stick, you know, it's got a bunch of different apps that you can install. So you can install YouTube TV, YouTube, you know, like on our Apple TV, it's, uh, you know, we've got all the Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff and it's nice. And then, you know, it's also got its own Apple TV channel where they have their own series and things like that. But it's nice because I can take that Apple TV, take it with me wherever, plug it in and I've got all my stuff right there. It's all accessible. I'm not re-signing it. Cause I, you know, I hate when you go to hotels and, and like you want to, you sign in to, to Netflix or whatever. I, I hate doing that because it's like, man, what if I, what if I forget? Is my info going to still be in there? You know, I, I don't want people stealing my stuff or whatever. And at least this here, it's, it's mine. That, I'm taking it with me. That's my biggest problem with Hulu, man, is <laughs> you can't like, you have to be associated with the IP that you sign up with. Right. And Let's just say, I don't know what's wrong with one of our fire sticks, but every once in a while, it'll something happens inside the fire stick on just one of our devices. And it says, or it looks like you're not home. You know, do you want to change your location? You know, and, it, and if you say no, well, then you can only watch the library in Hulu, which is old shows. You can't watch live TV. But if you say yes, you've only got four times to do that before they deactivate your account because they don't want you sharing or, and that to me, that makes no sense because it's like, it's my account. Why can't it just be like Netflix? I get the sharing part of it. I understand that, but dude, you know, we, all three of us, we travel and it's like, I have no choice when I'm on the road. I can't watch, I can't watch Hulu. Uh, Cause they, and hmm. boy, they can sniff out VPNs too, man. They're, they're really good at that. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I, so with the Apple TV, another question with that. So, is that an, and that may sound really stupid. Is that, a, is this an actual television or is it something you're, uh, uh, attaching to your television? It's something you're attaching to your okay. television. So it comes, it's a little black 
square. It's like four inches by four inches, a little cube or whatever. And it's got a little Apple TV remote and, you know, whatever apps you want to put on there. And then, of course, you know, you're buying stuff or whatever. It's just it, it, it all registers with your phone. So you just double click your phone and, you know, boom, you can rent mm. or whatever. But what I what I like about it, and, and it's funny because now, you know, it's like when they all came out with this stuff, everybody was playing nice. And yeah. and now you can see, especially as you've seen uh, with like Netflix, I, I think their subscribers are, are going down. They're decreasing. Same thing with Hulu. Prices are having to go up. People are becoming more cutthroat because like with Apple TV, initially when it came, and I think this changed a couple months ago, what I liked about it the best or the most was I can go on my Apple TV app on my phone or there, type in whatever, and it will show me the platforms that that show was available on, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not having to search, you know, because you know Hulu and Netflix and Paramount, they all change all the time. And at least this here, you could type it in and says, hey, it's on Amazon Prime for free or it's on Netflix for rental or, or whatever the case is. They have recently removed the Netflix option on there. So it doesn't show you anymore what's on Netflix. Uh, so they still show the other apps, but uh, for you know whatever reason, I, I guess, you know, direct competitor, like, hey, we're not going to show you. We'll show you that it's available for rent on mm-hmm. your Apple TV or, yeah. or whatever. But Well, I, I, I don't know. All these streaming services and everything, I've got, uh, let's see, what do I have? I have Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, and including and Hulu, but included with Hulu is ESPN Plus and Disney. And I don't even watch Disney anymore. Uh, I think that's all we have for streaming. Oh, and Paramount Plus, because uh, you know we had mm-hmm. to watch uh, 18, 1883 and nineteen twenty three. Uh, but other than that, I watch Paramount Plus that much. And like you said, everything's always moving around all the time. So I, ju- I just go to Google. It's like if I feel like watching Hunt for Red October or whatever. Hunt for Red October streaming, and it'll show you where it's available. But a lot of times, it won't say right. whether you can rent, whether it's pay or not. Like it may be on Amazon, but it may be only available to rent or buy. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a dance. It's a it's a new kind of dance. You know, it's not like the TV Guide dance we were doing back in the day, uh, or the the cable box. Did you <laughs> when you were growing up? Uh, did you guys have uh, have cable? Yeah, we had cable and uh, we had a couple, like, fortunately, my dad liked TV a lot. So we, we'd have like, you know, HBO and Cinemax or something like that. Um, we didn't have like all the premium channels, but we, I mean, we had to, you know, we always had the expanded, you know, you had like, remember basic and then you had expanded that had like ESPN or whatever. And then uh, we'd have some movie channels. So, you know, of course my buddies, they were always the ones that would like back in the day, you used to be able to stick a paper clip up in the bottom of the box and you get all the, you know, you get all the channels, that type of stuff. <laughs> we, we had the, uh, we didn't have cable for a while. Uh, we lived in Arizona. I don't even think cable had just kind of come around in, you know, the early eighties when we moved from Phoenix to Texas. And I remember one of our, uh, our people we went to church with the Russells, I think they had, they had cable, right. And I'll never forget. We were over at their house maybe it was a Saturday and it was the first day the MTV was on. It was the first day. You know, remember when they rolled out MTV, we were young kids back then and it really was videos. Back oh yeah. Then. And so, that, you know, somebody mentioned it. I think Chris Russell, their oldest uh, mentioned it. This dude was crazy. Chris Russell, he was six foot nine and played basketball Holy for the cow. air force Academy. And uh, he did a whole, whole, uh, whole career. But anyway, so he said, oh, we should turn it over to MTV and see what's on. And all the all the parents are just like, what's MTV? Oh, it's whatever. So they switch over to MTV. It only been on for like a few minutes. The first video was Video Killed the Radio Star. Um, and we switched on the second video, which was Whip It by Devo. 
Yep. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? that I do. Video? I do. <laughs> Where they're whipping, you know, they're doing the whips and the ladies standing there and her clothes start coming off. That's when they chose to turn to MTV and they saw that. They're like, oh, no, hell no. They didn't say hell no. <laughs> they're like, no, no, no. So we, we uh, they associated cable, I think my parents for a little while, who my mom is listening again, by the way, because I called her out well, on the last awesome. one. And they actually yeah, yeah. watched the YouTube so that they could see. Oh, anyway. Uh, so they kind of associated cable with MTV because MTV was included on the very basic cable package. Yeah. So we didn't come around to getting cable till 84, 85 maybe. And then, yeah. And I think they eventually pulled the trigger on HBO, but we never had like the, you know, the platinum package cable ever. I don't think. Well, of course the big thing back then there was satellite, right? Like, you know, we never had a satellite. That's what I always wanted. It's like, man, that can, we can't have a satellite dish like my buddies. They get like 9,000 channels and this and that, but we just started. Um, so we do a mix match. So, you know, we had the typical Amazon, Netflix, Paramount, all that other stuff. But, uh, we also have direct TV and then we signed up for YouTube TV. And uh, I do a combination because like, you know, you've got extra bedrooms, but I don't need a box in there all the time, but I've been paying for a box in there all the time. So it almost evens out to where I put YouTube TV on those extra rooms. Uh, and then we got it for the, for the NFL package or whatever. And I tell you, I'm actually pretty happy with YouTube TV because like when we, uh, one, like the DVR to have it with you, you, it, you know, it's accessible everywhere. And, and it's basically just video on demand. There's no need to store it because it, it's, it's all on the internet. But uh, if you go somewhere and it's, uh, it looks like you're logging in from a different, you know, IP address, um, it gives you three months. So it's not like a, a one day thing or sign somebody else. It's like you can use this, you know, temporarily as, uh, you know, whatever for, for three months before it signs you out. And then, of course, you know, you come back home and then it, the clock starts all over again. So uh, they're doing it right. It's, they've done a pretty good job. I'm pretty happy with it so far. So you have, you have the YouTube TV, too. Yeah. But you don't have Hulu. Yes, we do you have do. Hulu. So you've got like almost yeah. all of them. Dude, we've got everything. I, I was saying, you know, kind of like Apple did with the Apple One plan. They need to do that with the video services. And I know it's kind of, it, it's funny because the whole point of YouTube TV, uh, you know, your streaming platforms was to cut, you know, the cable cord mm -hmm. uh, to save money because cable just gets, it, it's, dude, it's stupid expensive, right? Um but the problem is now with internet TV, it's just as expensive when you start adding in their packages, plus the stuff that yeah, I said you got to watch. But you know, like you said, you know, you want to watch eighteen eighty three. Well, you better go pay your twelve ninety nine for Paramount or whatever. And then on top of that, like most places, I think, uh, you know, your internet data is capped. So generally, you get like a terabyte or something like that. And and when you looked at like a terabyte ten years ago, you're like, oh man, I'll never use a terabyte, dude. We bust through it every single month, hmm. you know, because if you've got uh, I mean, just imagine that, you know, I'm actually running my Fox News off of my Starlink because mm -hmm. I have, you know, it's unlimited data. But if you're sitting there and like us work from home and you're streaming Fox News all day, I mean, you know, you're going through 30, 40, 50 gigs a day just on that TV with YouTube TV. I think that fortunately, this the Internet service we have is not capped because I, I don't think it is. That's good. Which it's funny because, you know, it's that wireless internet. Remember when I, when we first moved here, it was, uh, right. you know, it wasn't very dependable, so on and so forth. But then optimum internet came out here and finally laid uh, fiber everywhere. So a lot of people nice. switched over and I was like, I'll switch over. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. And I never did. And now since everybody switched over, this wireless is screaming fast. It's three times <laughs> as fast as it was because nobody else is on it. But I think I said at the very beginning, 
maybe 2024 is the year I get to finally pull the trigger on a Mac, but it also may be the year I pulled the trigger on the Starlink because I was trying to tell my dad about it. And uh, it's after you had left in Arizona. So this is something you set up. You can set it up and, and get connectivity, but you have to set it up in the bed of your truck while you're moving, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, anywhere where you've got a, a view of the northern sky. So it's just easy for me to throw it in the bed of my truck. Okay. So you just okay. And how big is it? Uh, I mean, it's like the size of a laptop. Oh, really? Does it have you know, a- the dish itself is the size of a laptop, roughly, maybe a little, a hair bigger. So maybe like those old or the direct TV dishes were pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's smaller than my direct TV dish. And nowadays, dude, there, there are so many people, out there, people are creative. Uh, they've got so many aftermarket third party uh, mounts for these things. I mean, it's stupid that, you know, the big thing now is people are taking apart their, their antenna, uh, the dish, because that's, that's the brains of everything. Uh, is actually in the dish. Uh, so they're taking it apart and there's something you can do to disable the motor because it moves on its own. Right? Oh, really? It'll track. It's, it's actually pretty cool, dude. You'll sit there and you're like, man, this thing's starting to move. And people are disabling the motor, putting it in like a fixed mounting system, like in a Pelican case or something like that. And then you're just taking the whole Pelican case, throwing it in the back of their truck and plugging it in. You know, and that way it's not moving anywhere. It's right there because it's going to pick up. Yeah. Uh, and then you can go, you know, wherever you want. That That's now you got me thinking about it. <laughs> I can't, can't sit here and be silent. They kick it over to Josh so that I can think about it for a little while. So, okay. So speaking of that, it's a nice little segue. So we're kind of behind on this one. In fact, before recording, I was like, what are we going to talk about today? We talked about freaking everything. We've talked about everything, but we always got something to talk about. There's always something coming up. Uh, but I want, we're, we're a couple weeks behind on this one, but I'm sure you saw the reports where everyone was calling Elon Musk a, a traitor and all this stuff because oh yeah 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 the Ukrainians were going to wa- launch an unmanned submersible vehicle um, attack on the on the fleet down there on the Russian fleet the actual ships in the in the Black Sea uh, and Elon Musk apparently got wind of this and geofenced that entire area uh, so that they couldn't use it. So they could, you know, because all these submersibles were using Starlink to, you know, for their, you know, uh, for their GPS and, and you know, the, 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 the controls and all that stuff. So Elon Musk shut that off. So the attack didn't happen. So that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. They're like, well, what does Zelensky want uh, or <laughs> does Musk want uh, Zelensky to lose? Does he want Putin to win? He's a Putin stooge. And I think Musk's whole thing was, look, if they would have done this, this scale of attack, it would have escalated everything and, and Russia might have, uh, you know, had tactical nukes on the table to use. Sure. So the way he was saying it was like, look, man, and I think he, I can't remember. I read an article where he, he's not comfortable. You know, he, he kind of pulled the trigger on that Starlink thing and gave it to Ukraine, you know, and let them use it. And that's their primary means of, of uh, communication in the war. And there was the whole thing where he gave it to him for free. And then all of a sudden he comes to the department of defense is like, Hey, you know, I, I need a little change here. I can't do this for free forever. So here's what it's going to cost you. I think he went to DOD for that, not necessarily Ukraine. I don't know. He might have gone to Ukraine. And Ukraine just went to DOD. So DOD, I, they did sign a contract with Elon Musk for Starlink, which is not disclosed. So you know it's a ton of money. But he's struggling right now with how involved do I want to be in this war? 
Sure. You know, and I, I just think that's real interesting that he's got a, he's got an entire system. You know, a lot of pundits on the uh, on on Twitter and stuff were like, "This is what happens when forty percent of your space travel is in you know one single privatized company's hands." And it, it got me to thinking. It's like, wow, that is that is kind of interesting, you know. Yeah, but it, it, here's what kills me, and I'm just, I just put up the article while you were talking about it. Uh, so the Pentagon is now paying for Starlink for Ukraine. So that's something else that's that's going on top, and it's undisclosed amount. So like you said, you know, it's it's an insane amount of money. I'm sure we're paying every month. Uh, what is amazing to me, there are a lot of commies out there, man. Like true communists, right? Everything should be free. Uh, I don't care that a private citizen owns it. You should have to, you know, we're going to force you to, to, to provide this. It's like, hey, uh, U.S. government. I mean, you know, remember we had the Iridium satellites up there, which I, I forget who owns those now. Um, but it's like, hey, um, you obviously, if a private citizen can do this, so can the government, right? And so even if you're Ukraine or the U.S. or whatever, it's it's just crazy how many people want to have the government get involved and force private companies, force private business owners, you will do this, you know? And it's like, uh, and then they got all up in his grill. Like you said, when he wouldn't do it for free anymore, he's like, Hey, you guys want to run this war? I mean, do whatever. But you know, I, I sent out, you know, he sent over what boxes and boxes of free satellites. He covered the cost and it's like, uh, Hey, uh, DOD, somebody needs to pay for us. And I believe that as well, because you know, one thing with the Starlink, I would tell you this a little sidebar, it does depend on where you're at in the country. Um, you know, fortunately out here where we're at, there are a lot of other internet options. So my speed's actually pretty good because Starlink is meant to be for those that are so remote that you just don't have access. Right. But those places, I've got a buddy, those places, he's actually a listener, Spence, um, those places where it seems like they're that remote where there is no other access, he's got worse connectivity out there uh, than what I have here because everybody is on the same satellite. You know, because there's only a couple of them that, that go through that that airspace. But anyway, he gave this stuff for free. And, you know, I'm like, hey, when my connectivity, because it used to be, you know, it was always good, but it wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't getting 100 megs a second. You know, I'd pull, I'd pop out like 25 or 30. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I want you to pay for it as well, because my service will get better uh, when everybody starts paying for it. It's like being on Southwest Airlines, right? Uh, which I vowed I'll never fly again, but uh, they gave me a $200 credit. So I got to fly them at least one more time. <laughs> but the, you know, when the internet is $8, it's cheap. Everybody's on it and you can't do anything. I don't know if any of our listeners out there ever use, you know, Southwest internet, but it's horrible, dude. It, it's, it's atrocious. And it's because everybody and their mom uh, is paying the $8 to get on that. American airlines, it's $25 per leg. Dude, I can get on. I literally watched my DVR library on YouTube on my flight back on Friday. It is that good because you know what? There's probably only a handful of people, most of them probably businesses, you know, that type of thing. Got to get, you know, uh, connected for work. But you don't have every five-year-old on the airplane, you know, downloading Tetris and Pac-Man or whatever the hell it is, you know, nowadays using it. So it frees it up. And that's kind of my thought with the, you know, with the Starlink, with, uh, you know, Ukraine, all that stuff. It's like, make them pay for it. Because you make them pay for it, at least he'll upgrade their infrastructure, connectivity will be better for everybody versus, hey, I'm, I'm kind of screwed over here, you know, because you decide that you don't want to fund any of this. And then get mad at him because he doesn't want to continue to do it for free. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I would really like to, you know, spend some time really dissecting what the contracts look like between SpaceX, uh, Tesla as well. 
and uh, as well as you know, what is what is Jeff Bezos's uh, uh, space program? Oh, Blue Origin. Yeah, Blue Origin. Blue Origin, something like that. Something like that it sounds right. And then like Virgin Galactic and all that stuff. I'd really like to see those contracts and like the true interplay because like, Elon Musk. There's a reason he's he's so rich, and it ain't because Tesla's uh, they can't keep him on the shelves. I mean, come on, I mean, he's not rich just because of that. He's getting super rich because he's building rockets that can carry stuff the United States want or whoever wants to put up there. And it's not just the United States, European Space Agency, all that stuff. Really love to look at those contracts because, you know, for, for multiple reasons. But we'll, we'll save the nuclear weapons thing for when Josh is on here because he's one to want to talk about it. And you haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. But the U.S. is always looking at upgrading rockets, right, to transport payloads across <laughs> across the sky so they can nuke other countries. You know, we got to have better <laughs> rockets. Uh, that's the whole reason there's a space program to begin with. That's the whole reason there was a NASA. Did I ever tell you this story that I got in an argument uh-huh. with? So I was working for a, uh, back in my government days, you know, and I had an argument with my manager because I had found someone who could provide pretty good information on Iranian uh, rocket programs like the Iranian space program. And he's like, well, I don't understand how that's a, uh, how that's a priority. <laughs> this is my oh, manager. Lord. This is my manager. Someone has been in the field. He's a retired, I don't know. He got out as a, as a major and he'd been in the field for a long time. And he just, in the intelligence field. He's like, oh, I don't understand how that's a priority. And I was like, you understand why Iran has a space program. I was like, wait, wait, no, let me back up. You understand why the U S had a space program, right? You understand why we were so interested in getting stuff into out into outer space and into orbit. You know that, right? And he's like, well, for space exploration. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, kind of. But the reason it was funded, <laughs> the reason that was funded was because we were trying to figure out ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles. We want to put stuff in space so we could destroy the enemy, right? That was it. In the 50s and 60s and 70s, that was the biggest thing. So, and he, he just couldn't get it. He didn't agree with me. He's like, well, I, I don't know. I don't think that's why Iran has one. I was like, are you this big of a moron? This was a GS 14. It's like, <laughs> they just I mean, want to, they just want to look at the stars. Yeah, they just, they just <laughs> want to see space. You know, they, they just want to go up there and, and, you know, explore space. They want to go to the moon too. It's all good. We don't need to collect on that. <laughs> this guy's probably an SES now. Um, but that, <laughs> back to the Elon Musk and SpaceX, it's like, I wonder if the U.S. is paying him and his engineers to develop new rockets that are also weapon systems, you know? You know, I think there has to be, because, you know, this this comes down to a good question. Because he's, one, he's launching a lot of stuff for NASA and for the U.S., right? But... As a private citizen, and this is just all my guess, just just you know what I've read and, and, and just knowing how the government works, I imagine that the government is giving him a ton of money to have influence over the countries that he sells his services to. Because if he's just a private citizen, owns a company, he could sell to China, right? He could launch their, their astronauts or whatever they call them up there, and he could carry payload for them, and he could even launch military, whistle, uh, military uh, weapon systems for them if he, if he wanted to. And, you know, I don't know that, you know, you would sit there, at least I wouldn't, if I'm with the government, I don't sit there and just rely on him being a, a patriotic American and he'll just do the right thing. Uh, so I would be shocked if they have not funded him uh, quite a bit and maybe even overpaying, which, which is another thing that kills me because 
you know, the guy's being investigated by the SEC like every other day. You know, they talk about, oh, his tweets and this and that and whatever. But it's like, dude, he should just come up like, well, hey, NASA, then carry your own stuff. Hey, U.S. government, then carry your own stuff. Go launch your own stuff. You know, don't come to me for help. Oh, you know what? The Ukraine, uh, Ukrainians need uh, internet. Go launch your own uh, satellite, you know, internet company and you, you provide it to them for free. Right. What's that called? Taikonauts? Taikonauts. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I looked Chinese it up. Chinese Jeez. <laughs> but it's like they're always on his junk. But I would not be surprised if they were giving him a boatload of money and like, hey, look, dude, you know, we really need you not to start carrying, you know, or providing services to the Chinese and to the Russians and, and that type of stuff. And maybe even other, you know, other countries. Iran. Yeah. And it, like with the, the whole Tesla, the self-driving thing and Everybody poops all over that. It's funny how Congress poops on it too, but I cannot imagine that Department of Defense and DARPA isn't involved in it, or at least looking at the results and, and oh, heck looking yeah. at autonomous vehicles and all that stuff. Because if you can think of how complicated, oh, uh, our listener Scott sent me a great video from Austin, Texas. <laughs> Dude, I should, oh, I need to send it to you, Roger. It's from some street in Austin near downtown where all of these autonomous cars, no, no driverless cars. I don't know what, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're taxis or what. They had all converged into one kind of T intersection and it just caused a complete traffic jam because something overloaded the algorithm and none of those cars could decide what to do. And oh, it, it was a mess. There had to be at least 15 of them. 15 of these cars all backed up in one spot. And it was just, and the, you know, the humans out there are just blaring on the horns. Mother, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was great. But yeah, what I was going to say is the autonomous, think of the algorithm. Like uh, Malcolm Gladwell, I used to listen to his podcast till he got so woke, I just couldn't take it. Uh, he was talking about, remember the whole Toyota thing uh, with the acceleration and everything? Yeah. He was deconstructing that and he was talking about the lines of code that are just in a normal car. The lines of code is unbelievable. It's like on the level of like Call of Duty. You know, for like a video game, right. there is that much code in a car that's not even autonomous. So you think about a self-driving car, how many lines of code there has to be in there, how many factors, how many things you have to factor in. Because that's one thing humans are definitely better at than, than computers is driving. Because there's so many variables that we can react to in a split second. Most of us can react to in a split <laughs> second. So think of if they get that right, and you can be semi-confident for like an 18 wheeler to, you know, be driverless. That's the hard part. Autonomous, complete autonomous, uh, aircraft. That's easy because there aren't near as many variables. There's not any traffic up there. Number one, not, not really. And there's less variables. There's temperature and wind shear and all that stuff, but you got to know that DARPA and everybody else is, is, uh, piggybacking on that. And speaking of, Speaking of aircraft, I don't know. I shared with you guys um, what most people would call a Russian propaganda channel on Twitter. And, um, you know, we see all the stuff coming out of Ukraine, you know, from their side. This look at how we kicked the Russians ass today. This one's doing the opposite. And the footage looks real. And it's brutal, dude. The war is just brutal. And I start thinking, man, the battlefield's changed a lot over the past 50, 60 years. But, man, drones... That's the new hotness. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I remember in Iraq, the last time I was there, 16, 17, uh, ISIS was, uh, you know, hooking up border shells to 
to uh, UAVs, little, you know, uh, off the shelf, big UAVs that could carry one with the rotors and everything. And they were trying, they were experimenting with that in 2016, 17. Brother, <laughs> that's been taken to a whole new level. It, it's pretty scary, man. And it's, but don't you think that that easily defeated is not the right thing, but how, how, what are your first thoughts on, okay, how would I defeat that? You know, I'm an infantryman in the field. You know, how do we defeat the, these little UAVs that are going to maybe drop mortar shells on us? Birds, man. I, I, weren't, there, weren't there stories of uh, like some airports and stuff like that, like having hawks and stuff like that, uh, trained hawks that can go out there and go after these these drones? And and some of them, man, I, like, I don't even know if I'd put a hawk up against. So we got to, I think he listens a little bit, uh, Alan. Uh, he showed me, and this was, man, like, so I had a drone years ago, like when they first came out. And it sucked. Like if you farted, it blew it off course and it was into the tree and then it broke. And I, you know, I think I bought it for my boy for Christmas and we flew it all of like 42 seconds before it was just completely demolished. Well, he started building his own years later. Uh, dude, like the blades on this thing, when they cut on, you can't stick your fingers in there. You will lose your hands. And he had his, uh, I forget how, how long it was, but I mean, it was heavy, dude. It weighed a lot. And he's like, yeah, I can fly it for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it was. But I, even now, you know, like, uh, my neighbor, Steve has one and he can program the route, you know, so he'll program it and, you know, you basically set waypoints uh, and we see them a lot during like 4th of July and things like that. You'll see all the drones in the air, man. And uh, you program the route. And I think as far as, you know, how you defend it, I mean, one, I think you can look at birds, uh, you could try to shoot them down, I guess. Um, you know, yeah, I guess if you don't care where the, where the round lands or, or whatever, but it almost, you have to have some kind of mini, uh, what's that Israel has with the iron dome or whatever. You almost yeah. have to have something like that, right. Where you're just going to cover an area and it's like, Hey, anything that comes in this airspace is not supposed to be here. We're just going to blow it out of the sky. I mean, I think that's your only option. That was a concern over in Slovenia. Uh, at any time there was a military exercise, which, you know, four big military exercise, you know, three times a year, the concern was always drones, right? Uh, spying or doing whatever, or just recreational drones getting in the airspace of the, of the Patriot systems or whatever, throwing things off. And so the Slovenians took that pretty serious. Uh, and they had, there was a gun they had and it, it shot a, uh, remember the, you probably, I don't know if you remember the movie Dark Knight Rises, where he has that gun that, sh you know, it's like an EMP thing. Yeah. It shuts down yeah. all the electronics. It was kind of like that, but it wasn't an EMP. It shot out a, um, a frequency, basically. It just shot a frequency. If you could get, if it was within, I can't remember, 100 meters, 200 meters, you could shoot this and it would shoot a frequency, a real tight, you know, uh, beam. And it would just fry that thing's navigation system and all that stuff. And it would turn over and crash. They had that. They had like a a shotgun type system it was still a gun so they had those two things seemed to work pretty well we shot one down one time and it turned out the guy was he was actually kind of pissed and it's like <laughs> should, should have been <laughs> flying it over here man i mean you're pretty close to a military installation what were you thinking but yeah i, I had the birds thing i wrote that down that's 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 pretty cool that seems like kind of an insurgent way to you know like well, and then especially if it's, uh, you know, the birds aren't real, you know, that movement. So what if they're mechanical surveillance birds? That just takes it to a new level, man. You know, since I can't remember which one of you guys said that, or maybe it wasn't y'all, but somebody mentioned that to me a couple weeks ago, or I heard it somewhere that birds aren't real. People actually believe this, like, like the, or the majority of birds aren't real. 
like the flat earthers, right? And I'm like, no, come on. This has got to be a fringe thing. I swear to God. I'm in a, I'm in a fairly small town. It's 300,000 people. I've seen two separate stickers on cars that say birds aren't real. <laughs> and they were two set. They weren't the same sticker. They were different. I'm like, what? I mean, of all the conspiracy theories, the flat earth, I could wrap my head around some, get it, wrap your head around. Sort of, I can understand <laughs> wh- how someone could possibly believe that. But birds aren't real. Well, you know what it is, though? It gets it just gets spun out of control. It, what happens is, because believe me, the U.S. government probably came up with, hey, you know what? We need a, a better way to surveil people and uh, for whatever reasons, right? And instead of just putting the, the black dome camera out there, hey, somebody said, dude, just put a fake bird on top of this thing and put a camera in there, right? Have it sit on a building that's, you know, 30 stories high. Who's ever going, eh, there's a bird sitting up there. And then from there, and I guarantee the government probably did it. They probably had hundreds of them, right? Uh, and probably still do. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, now we're up to 12 billion fake birds uh, flying, probably, <laughs> flying around the country. I, I should Google that. Like, how many birds are there in the world? It's probably, God, I, it's a lot. I guarantee there's more birds than people in the world. It's got to be. It's got to be billions, man. It's got to be billions. People are stupid. God, people are stupid. Hey, though, remember, every almost every conspiracy theory is rooted in some piece of truth. That's why, okay, if somebody came to me and said... You know, Lou, I'm part of this uh, top secret, super, super sap type program. And I'm telling you the truth here. One out of every 10, you know, one out of every 5,000 birds you see is not real. It's actually whatever. I, I, I'd be like, okay, maybe, maybe. But like all birds, that. all birds, like the stupid flamingos, those are fake too. It's like, why? <laughs> Penguins? <laughs> Maybe but, pandas. Maybe your maybe your pandas uh, really don't exist. It's yeah, pandas. I've been. I, I think that the algorithms got me because on my Twitter feed, I, I rarely get on Facebook anymore. But I think the algorithms got me. Even Amazon's got me because I'll uh, pandas, plush animals, panda videos, all this stuff's coming up in my feed. It's like, can you not? I I know you're spying on me with your algorithms with the microphone, but can you not associate hate and pandas in the same? What if I hated Pepsi Cola? I hate Pepsi. And they start just inundating me with Pepsi stuff. That's just going to make me mad. It's not going to make me like Pepsi anymore. If they were smart, they'd inundate you with like Coke ads or yeah. something like that. Right? Or inundate, hate yeah. Pepsi. Hey, look at that. Here's Coke. Or, you know, polar bears. You know, you hate, you hate pandas? Check out these polar bears over here. I bet, you, I bet you like those. And I learned that koalas are not actually bears. They're marsupials. Yep. Right. Oh, did, yep. You, you probably didn't see this. So the one time I do hop on Facebook, I saw that Carlton Zeus... <laughs> Did you see this? Do you know what uh-uh. I'm about to say? <laughs> uh-uh. His daughter, I think, turned 15 or something. I think she might be 15. So the quinceanera, you know, is a big deal. So what does he right. get her for? I want to get her something unique. I want to get her something nobody else had. He got her a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> There's a like ca- a real one? Yes. There's videos of it. It's got a little diaper on. <laughs> so he lives outside of San Antonio. There's a kangaroo. Can't get around San Antonio. I mean, I guess I guess you can have them as pets. I guess that's an exotic pet. I was gonna say, can you buy? I mean, are there? Well, I, I don't know. Are they considered like exotic or? Anything? It gotta be. Gotta be an exotic pet. It's gotta be. I gotta Google this thing. I think. I think that anything you that okay. I don't know what qualifies as exotic pet. It's a good. It's a good question. Because I was about to say, I bet it's anything that's not native to the United States. But that can't be right. Because I mean, is a deer considered an exotic pet? 
So you know what? I didn't even have to get through like the third word and it came up, you know, talking about buying a kangaroo. Dude, in 2011, prices for pet kangaroos ranged from $2,000 to $3,000 with exotic breeds costing slightly more. Because of their large size, kangaroos are not usually recommended as pets. <laughs> Dude, some of those videos in Australia with those kangaroos, there's a couple of them where you've seen the video where the guy, the kangaroo's attacking his dog and he comes up and he just, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a big, it's a, that thing is as tall as him. There's another one whose kangaroos, I got this farmer's arm. He's like in his barn or something. He's trying to chase this kangaroo out through a fence. And this kangaroo puts his, his little his arms through the thing. And he's jacked. Like, like muscle jacked. He looks like a bodybuilder. And I'm like, <laughs> you going to have that thing hopping around your house? Those things, are, it can't be safe. And they're wild. Well, animals. I'm wondering though, I mean, well, I was going to say, I mean, can you, tra- you know, can you train them like dogs? I mean, cause that would be cool. That would be cool if like, you know, you named your kangaroo like Bob or something. You're like, Hey, come here, Bob. And you know, he comes hopping on over or whatever. <laughs> Put some beers in his pouch or her pouch, whatever. <laughs> Walk that thing around the neighborhood. It would be great. Oh, well, you know, with, with wild animals, you know, you always hear about like Mike Tyson had a tiger, right? Right. And I recently heard the story about why he got rid of it. I, I can't remember the thing. Fuck he didn't maul your face off. It didn't turn on him, but it, it exhibited one behavior one day. And Mike Tyson was like, uh, uh-uh. like it was one little yep. behavior it did. And he's like, it had been gentle up to that point. It didn't bite him. Nothing. But it like didn't back down or something when he was like, no, get, you know, poop inside your sandbox, litter box that, you know, maybe, maybe it bowed up to him a little bit. He's like, no, no, no. But I do know that with any wild animal, like raccoons, for instance, a wild raccoon is the wildest thing on earth. But if you get that thing from a baby and you bottle feed it, you can have a pet raccoon. So, I mean, maybe bottle feed the, the, uh, the kangaroo and it turns out. Okay. I don't know. But dude, one, here's the thing, you know, like I'm looking at margin of error. Okay, me surviving, you know, like if my dog freaks the hell out, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I might get bit pretty bad or whatever, but like I'm I'm pretty confident I can choke my dog out. One, he's lazy as is I'll get out, but just dogs in general, right? Like a tiger, he's going to maul you to death, right? He's gonna bite your face off. Uh, I saw a dude the other day, and I don't know how real it is, but uh it's a bear. I don't know if you've seen the videos like on Instagram or whatever. So this guy's like out in the woods, and he's a foreigner, obviously. And like this brown bear, and now uh, relative to other bears that I've seen, you know, this bear is like six feet tall, seven feet tall or whatever. So not huge, but big, right? And uh, this bear comes and he starts galloping towards this guy. And I'm just like, this guy is going to get mauled to death or whatever, because they don't show, you know, how he got there, what he's doing, whatever. But I guess he would raise this bear. So the bear gets up there and stands up and puts his paws on the guy's shoulders and they start wrestling. Mm. Like they're wrestling around the woods. I'm just like... Dude, you are stupid, man. I mean, there's just no way that dude is going that that bear. You're gonna you're gonna step on its paws wrong. It's gonna you know hit a thorn and he's gonna rip your freaking throat out. You know, there's just no way, dude. So no wrestling way. like not life and death wrestling, just play wrestling or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They the, the bear had his paws on the guy's shoulders and they were kind of okay. You know, and they they Oof. they do that little yeah, dude. Forget did, that, man. Did you see Grizzly Man? Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's a, it's a documentary about this dude who. Um, was up in Alaska and he, his thing was, I'm going to live with the bears. And he documented everything. He's it's interesting. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting documentary because he did get really close to the bears. The bears did kind of adopt him a little bit, but uh, his whole thing was as long as you stand your ground with them, don't back down. 
like, and you have confidence in your heart, they're not going to kill you. And what happened to him? Eventually one of them balled him to death. And <laughs> there's like a, a 20 minute recording, 20 minute recording. They do not show it. They do not play it. It's Werner Herzog is the guy who did Grizzly, man. He, he's really good. But uh, they sh- he refused to play the, it's like a 20 minute audio clip of this bear killing this guy. It was eating him. Like he was still alive. He was telling his girlfriend who was there with him, go away. This girlfriend's hitting it with like a cast iron pan. And he was still conscious enough as it's eating his guts out. Say, go away, go away, get out of here, get out of here. And they never played it, but it's like, geez. So that's what the movies don't show you (laughs) is like if a bear attacks you and it means to eat you, you may be alive for a little while while that thing is killing you. You know, it doesn't care if you're alive. I mean, taste you, I mean, are they meat eaters? Do, I, well, I, mean, I know they eat fish, but I mean, do they eat like, they'll eat, they'll like eat. a tiger I know is going to kill you, but I did, you know. Yeah, I think that, yeah, they do. They do, apparently. Because when they found his, so. when they found his body, um, the bones were just all over the place and they'd been gnawed on and, uh, and the bear, yeah, I don't know, whatever. It was, uh, yeah, the movies don't show you that, man. And you, you mess around with a wild animal. We've been talking about animals quite a bit lately. Jeez. Dude, bears are low on my list or high on my list of animals I'm not going to mess with. I just, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't even want to think about having to go head to head with, with bears. Let's see, bears, gorillas. I would throw chimpanzees in there. Uh, They'll rip your arms off, man. (laughs) Any kind of shark, any kind of big cat. Yeah. Tigers, lions. Yeah. Jaguars. Rhinoceros. Wouldn't want to play one of them. I, but I feel hippos. like I feel like I could. Well, hippos are. Yeah, you, we talked about that earlier when you threw out that yeah. that uh, that figure. I feel like I'd have a better chance against a rhino. I don't know. Do hippo? Do hippos are they <laughs> are they meat eaters? I don't think they were. I don't think so. Dude, I saw a badass video. Um, I can't remember on reels or something, or maybe it's YouTube. Little short where uh-huh. this jaguar is at the edge of. Uh, He's getting a drink, this jaguar, and this this gator just comes out, gets him, and then the jaguar kind of gets away. The gator gets its paw and drags it into the water. And I'm like, oh, oh and, then, and there's still like eight seconds left. So you're looking at the water, and then like a few seconds later, that jaguar comes out with the gator's neck in its mouth and is dragging it up. <laughs> it's just like, good lord, dude. Yeah, it's like. Mm. And it wasn't a huge gator. It wasn't like those Costa Rica alligators, those Nile alligators. This was, you know, probably about six, seven feet. That's another one. Gators, man. Gators and crocodiles. I ain't messing around with them. And they're all over Florida. I mean, it's crazy. Like, oh, yeah, the gators back in the pond here. I'm like, dude, screw that. That is not normal. That is not natural. No. You've seen the video where the the alligators on the golf course in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was fake. Dude, it's stupid. Jeez. I mean... I still feel like, I don't know. I don't know. You've seen the pythons in, in Florida too. Yeah, that I haven't seen. I've seen a couple of videos or whatever, but like where my mother-in-law used to live down there. Uh, dude, I mean, it's like, you know, you drive to her house, you know, and everybody's got little lakes and ponds or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, there's two crocodiles over there. I'm like, there is no way you could walk your dog. There's no way I'm going to go jogging. None of that stuff, dude. Forget that. Especially if it's like, not like bright outside, you know, yeah. right at dusk, right at dawn. Forget that, dude. All this no way talk about animals remind me of something so does ginger inferno it's making me hungry <laughs> it's, it's making me want to go get a pair of boots <laughs> <or something. laughs> it does ginger inferno still listen 
Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay, so I'd like his feedback on this. Uh, if he's if he's listening, I don't want to say his name. I don't know if we can say. I don't know. I don't know if he wants. I was leave Ginger. Yeah, Ginger. So uh, one of my one of my former colleagues and friends, Dina. Uh, they're real animal people, right? They they got dogs and they they uh, foster dogs and they rescue dogs and all this stuff. But they just live in a regular house. They can't have more than four at a time, you know. And I've been to their house. It's real clean, you know. They they take care of their dogs. They take care of their house. So anyway, they had rescued this dog that had been shot uh, in the spine and it was paralyzed. Its back legs were paralyzed. That's a lot to take on, you know, oh, yeah. and so, but they did. They took it on and I uh, can't remember the dog's name, but they actually got the actual wheelchair for it, you know, where the dog's rolling around, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> but they were just like, you know, with their other dogs, it was too hard. And then they, they rescued another one who was also had special needs. I can't, I don't know what was wrong with that dog. They rescued these two dogs. They, they brought them back to health, but they were like, you know, we can't do this forever. They both have full-time jobs. Let's find a service who will, who will do it. So Dina reached out to me and, uh, she said, look, uh, my wife, not, you heard that right. Dina has a wife. Calm down. Everyone out there, bunch of bigots. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she contacted me and she and her wife had taken, these two dogs to this place in Chandler, Arizona, uh, where this lady had advertised, Hey, I take these dogs in. She had all these pictures on her site, you know? Uh, so they shipped the dogs to her and they saw an article on Facebook or something where this lady, this place that she had sent them to that they had sent these dogs to was actually not really a rescue at all. She was kind of a dog hoarder, uh, Munchausen syndrome by proxy type person where she'll take these dogs oh, wow. in, not feed them and just watch them die very slowly. She had like 50 dogs. So Dina and her wife, Becca went down there and partnered with a couple of organizations in Arizona, in the, the Chandler area. He was Chandler, not Gilbert. I think it's Chandler, but uh, either way, they partnered with some uh, nonprofits down there and to see what they could do. And they, they called the police, they called the ASPCA, all this stuff. And they actually went to the house, not raided it, but they actually went to the house. And basically, there's nothing the police or ASPC could do because there's no uh, anti-hoarding laws in, in that area. And it was very obvious that dogs were suffering and all this stuff, but there was nothing they could do. So apparently at that point. So they followed up and Dina was actually going to ask, ask us to talk about this in detail because she wanted us to get the word out to as many people as possible. And I was like, oh, well, Ginger listens. Maybe he'd have some input because he kind of knows that world, you know, doesn't yeah. he? So, yeah. <clears throat> but the good news is since we had that conversation, she sent me all these articles, the police did actually go arrest her. Uh, but it had nothing to do with the treatment of animals. It had to do with uh, fraud because she had, you know, uh, 16 different addresses uh, she had ends or something at the ASPCA where she would know when they were coming to do a welfare check. So she would move the dogs out and clean up and then whatever. So, but she, she actually was arrested and that's, that's kind of a good part of the story, but I, I'd be interested to hear Ginger's take and your take on, you know, the, the anti-dog hoarding laws. I mean, how much is too much? Who makes that decision? You and I aren't comfortable with the government telling me how many dogs I can own, but where do you draw the line right there? You know, like when does it become something that a public health is definitely, if it's a, if it's a public health threat, mm -hmm. yeah, you need to shut it down. But like, where's the line there? You know, we've all seen the hoarders, but where's the line? 
I think, I think it just comes down to general one. You have to apply. I know this is dangerous, but you, you know, you have to apply some common sense to it. It's got to be general health and welfare of the animal and, and dogs, especially out here in Arizona. It's, it's a man every year you, you see all these posts about it because a lot of folks keep their dogs outside, uh, which right now is great because the weather's nice and this and that when it's 115 outside, it's like our dogs don't go outside when it's 115. Okay. They go out at night, they go potty, do whatever, but you know, it's hot. It's hot for a dog. It's hot for a human. It's hot for a dog. But there are no laws in Arizona that really protect the animal. The only thing that they, I think, um, in our town, uh, a couple of years ago, they had a lady that she had several dogs outside. And uh, the only requirement, I believe, if I remember correctly, was that there's got to be a little bit of shade and he's got to have access to water. That's it. So it can be 118 degrees outside broad daylight, sun, you know, just, just baking you. And as long as the dog's got some shade, which again, how much shade, you know, how much shade are we, are we talking about here? Uh, and he's got access to water, which I don't know if anybody's felt water at like 118 Ooh. degrees, but like, we, you know, we don't have, you know, the, you know, this, we don't have cold water in the summers because you know, everything gets hot, uh, especially all the pipes and everything, but you basically have water that's sitting out there at 118 degrees or 115 degrees. Like, is that very refreshing, but we don't have the laws on it. Right. So it's like, to me, I mean, you, you hate to, you hate to pass any more laws, but there's got to be some type of common sense approach to where, Hey, look, I can call, you know, uh, animal control and they can do a welfare check. Uh, and here it's just very, they, they show up and I, I remember reading the post like, yeah, like the dog's got shade and the dog's got a bowl of water. It's all we can do, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and I'm sure each state's different. And I, and I would, I would bet that, you know, as you go to your bluer states, you know, one thing is we do, our County has a law that if you pick up a stray, and I'm going to be off on the days here, but like, if you keep the stray for like seven days, you are now the owner of that dog. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, so we, you know, y'all know, we, we recently adopted a dog and he's great, but, um, this place where we adopted from is, is a rescue, right? But it's, it's, it's a nonprofit. It's not funded by the city or nothing. This lady's doing it out of the kindness of her heart. And, you know, obviously because she's got the means to do it, <clears throat> it's obviously her life now, but the stray thing is, I think in Texas, or at least I think if you pick up a stray, I don't think there is a time limit. Like it, it is on you to do whatever you're going to do. So the average person pick up a dog and it's like, oh, well, I'll take it to the shelter. Shelter's going to turn you away because they don't have room. So this place right. will try to take them in. But dude, like just two nights ago, Friday night, I was driving back home from Amarillo and turning on to... We have a loop that goes all the way around Lubbock and then East 50th is like where you leave the city, right? At least 50th in the loop. You're on your way out. There's no lights or nothing out there. It's farmland. That's where people like to go to drop their dogs. And it's just like, God, and some people are kind, that's air quotes, enough to drive them all the way out to like Ransom Canyon or Buffalo, Buffalo Springs and drop them there where some community and they're like, well, maybe somebody will take him in. But they'll just, they just go out and drop them because they got sick of the dog. Or maybe their dog, they didn't get their dog fixed, so it had puppies. So I'll get them old enough and we'll go drop them off. They'll find water. It's like, when I saw those puppies, Jeez. you know, a couple things went through my head. Uh, first thing is always, who does this? Like, who does this? How, how do you, it's somebody who, you know, is conscious, just works differently than mine. But number one, who does this? Number two, maybe I should do something. But then I think of the law and I'm like, well, I've got dogs at home. I can't bring this dog home. I don't know if it's going to make my dog sick, nothing. Right. And I don't know if anybody will take these dogs. So therefore, Luke didn't do anything. These dogs just run around. They're going to get hit. Little puppies, maybe 10 weeks old. It's like, dude, 
you know, that's one of the things my wife and I, our lottery, one of our lottery dreams is, you know, buy a bunch of land and just be a rescue, you know, just take care of a bunch of dogs. But we definitely need to hire some uh, immigrant labor to clean the dog. <laughs> hey, well, you got plenty of it down there now. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that? So, you know, uh, Highway 60. So we have a loop and then 60. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's like 65, 70 miles an hour speed limit. I kid you not. I saw a puppy thrown out of a moving vehicle going like 65, 70 miles an hour in the middle of the day, dude. I was actually sitting with my wife and I think maybe one of my kids was in the back seat. Dude, you talking about shocked or one. It's like, again, like you said, like who does that? Like who, who would do that? Dude, I saw that dog hit the ground. I, my jaw dropped, man. You know, and it's, and it's like six lanes of traffic. So you couldn't even get over to like get the license plate or whatever. Cause they chucked the, chucked the pup. And then, you know, I was in the left lane then he goes up and takes the next exit or whatever. I'm like, dude, who throws a dog out of a movie? What? You know, it's no different than the, uh, who are the two kids that hit the, uh, they hit the police officer on the bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. Like who does that, man? Dude, you know, it, okay. So I saw a video, I'm talking about videos a lot. I saw a video years ago, uh, back when it was still kind of the wild west on YouTube. Remember the good old days where you could find oh, yeah. videos and just like, whoa. But it was taken in Russia. I know it was in Russia because the little girls were speaking Russian. And it was obviously rural, very rural. These two girls were very rough, rough looking, you know, look like workers, you know, farmers, you know, farmers' daughters. Mm -hmm. you know, this video and this, you know, warning to the young kids listening or whatever is pretty, pretty brutal what I'm about to describe, but there's a reason. This girl took this bag of puppies bag of puppies. Oh, Lord. Her sister was filming her, took a bag of puppies, walked it into the river and held the puppies under. It's about six of them. Now, horrible, right? That's awful. But they were, I'm not going to call it a mercy killing, but I guarantee because the girl filming was crying and telling her not to in Russia, don't do it. And she's like, dad said yeah. to do it. Dad said to do it. We have to do this. So she drowns those puppies and it kind of cuts off, you know, whatever. And it got me to thinking, especially when we drove through Romania, you know, that, that farmer, they could have been, he could have been a, a, a shepherd. Like he could have had sheep. Right. And in Romania, as we were driving through, uh, this kind of relates to the Russia thing. Uh, we saw just tons of strays, tons of stray dogs, a lot of puppies. So we started asking around when we finally got to Bucharest. We're like, man, why all the strays? And they had to explain, look, that sheep country that you drove through, these, uh, these sheep farmers or sheep herders or whatever, they have their dogs. They have like six or eight dogs. They're all male. They don't fix the dogs because that takes away their ability to, to shepherd. Sure. These dogs just run around. So at night, those dogs are going out screwing whatever they can find. So they're screwing another stray down the road. And it's just like, no, we're not going to take her pup. No, I've got my shepherd dogs. If I want one to train, I'll get one. But I ain't taking in those strays. You know, it's just they're running around everywhere. So it's a drain. They can't afford it. Whatever. They're being irresponsible. It's Romania, dude. It's basically the Middle Ages there out there where we were. But I'm thinking, you know, the farmer, it's like, and these puppies are starving. It was cold. It was winter. We were driving through there. They're starving. It's the most pathetic thing you've ever seen. They're hanging around their mother. But it's like, are you, it makes me understand why that farmer told his daughter, whatever, just go drown them. 
just sure. go drown them because they're going to starve anyway. You know, it, it's a horrible thing, but the person that threw the puppy out the window is in a totally different oh, environment. Yeah. The person who's in, abandoned a puppy at the loop and East 50th is in a totally different environment than the farmer or the shepherd in Romania or Russia. You know, there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. I guess my only thing with like somebody in Romania and I get it, there's costs involved, but dude, just put a round in the dog's head or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, dude, because, and I get it, they're animals, but in my opinion, dying by drowning, I mean, dude, that's, that's, uh, you know, I don't want to die. I don't want to, you know, die from, from falling out of the sky. Uh, I don't want to burn to death and I don't want to suffocate or drown. Right. That's like your top three, everything else. Like, eh, you know, hopefully I just go in my sleep. But uh, so just put a round in their heads, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, be- for sure, or, or something. Good lord, yeah. God, talking about killing puffies, it's awful. So let's change it up. So Colorado, did you expect them to have the performance that they had uh, yesterday? I kind of thought they'd do better. You know, Scott texted me and said, uh, you know, Colorado's twenty twenty one percent underdogs uh, to Oregon. I was like, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I think twenty one. I could see Oregon beaten by twenty one, but. I kind of figured with the, um, you know, with the high, with their own hype, you know, their own confidence and nothing to lose. Like you were talking about, they have nothing to lose and make them dangerous. I thought they, they might give them a better game than that, but I think Oregon just broke their real will real early. And they kind of found out the team that they, they are They're They're, they're a mid range team. Like if that, yeah. if that, Ugh. well, you get to a level, especially when you start talking about like your organs where, you know, and, and you could say this typically with your Alabamas, Georgias, you know, Florida State this year and uh, LSU's like, dude, they are just better. They are better at every single position. They're bigger, they're better, they're faster. And sometimes you are just outplayed. You know, mm-hmm. you're just outplayed. And then you you brought up a good, you know, uh, you threw out there outcoached, you know, and you did it early on before the fake punt. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of crazy because it was great timing because I was just sitting there, I'm like, man. I never even thought about, you know, them fake punting, which is exactly why they did it. Because I guarantee Dion, obviously, and no other coach out there was like, hey, th- these guys might pull a fake punt. We got to be ready. They were just focused on the return. And next thing you know, it's a 17-yard scram when they get a first down or whatever it was. You know, but they were just, you were beat by a better team. Uh, I hope, I hope they, they do. Well. I mean, he's already done, you know, they won one game last year. They've already won three, so three and one. Uh, but you know what, and we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now, I think what's going to happen if they continue to have a, a decent year, if they break even right 500 and maybe even a little bit better, uh, I think they're going to be good, dude. They're going to be good for a couple of years because one thing that they're getting right now, they're getting the spotlight. They are on national television every week. And if you are a player that you know you're good, maybe you didn't quite get into the, the Alabama or you didn't quite get into Georgia, you say, you know what, I need to show my skills, I need to show my talent. Uh, let me get out to Colorado, man, because at least I know I'm going to be on TV every day. Yeah. You know, or every week. I'm looking at their schedule, and it looks like uh, they're playing USC next. They'll lose that. But, you know, Arizona State, that'll be a good game. Uh, they're playing them, Stanford, UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, and Utah. You know, they could break even for sure. They could break yeah, even. Yeah, I mean, they go, definitely go have some tough game. games coming up. I was thinking this. I had, maybe you and I talked about it. Uh, and just stop me if we've already talked about this. But with Deion Sanders going there, you're right about the 
the middle middle of the road, you know, tra- you know, Alabama, they promised me a starting job, but then they, uh, you know, uh, recruited this other five star. Now I'm on the bench. Right. Four versus five. They might go to Colorado. It's like, you know, remember we talked about the NIL, name, image, likeness, right? You know how much money Dion's bringing in to Colorado right now? Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be a big market. The market is nationwide. So it's like with NIL, I could see this be becoming a trend. I could see... Okay, Dion, look at all this money he's bringing in here, man. Let's get Michael Irvin to come and coach at where Arizona or Washington State. You know, uh, Warren Sapp, let's go get <laughs> You know, I could see this becoming a thing where, and you said it, you were like, because I was subtly jabbing at Josh because I was like, what did I say? Um, number unranked Clemson is given number four Florida State a hard time. Parody yep. in college football is the exact same as, as <laughs> basketball uh, trying to stir the pot. And then you came back. It's a good point. And you said there is a lot more parody with the transfer portal. And I was like, yep, there is. Which I, people are saying it's going to ruin college football. Maybe not. I mean, it's kind of cool to see, you know, Clemson take Florida State to the line. And, you know, uh, Colorado, there were questions in that, the layperson's mind of, man, maybe they might give them a game, you know. Kind of fun. I've watched more. You know what? I've watched more college football. And I was wondering, I mean, I, I hate the transfer portal. I hate the rules. I, I think and I think they're going to continue to change them. But, you know, I've watched more college football this year than I have in, in recent years. And it's because, you know, exactly what we were talking about, you know, with the parody. It's like, yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, even though Josh doesn't believe this, but hey, if you were a top five team and you played a team that was barely in the top 25, you were probably going to blow them up by 40 points. Right. It just it, it wasn't even worth watching. But Dude, you look at all the top teams, they are all struggling. You know, the, and, and, and you can't say it's not just like, oh, LSU's having a tough season. No, I mean, we saw Clemson's, their season's done, right? Two losses, they're done. Uh, you know, Alabama, Georgia, you know, LSU, we saw them lose to, to Florida State. Florida State, a close game with Clemson, you know, it's, uh, and, and, and beating LSU, but it's, there is a lot more parity in college football. And I think, you know, the, the good side of it is I think it's going to make it more competitive across the board. And I think it makes the playoffs a lot more interesting. Um, I still don't like the nil the way it is, especially like with Tez Walker in North Carolina. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, I'm all for if you're a grad student or even a senior, you give three years to a school and you want to transfer your, your last year and go play somewhere else. Rock and roll, man. Like, I have no issues with that. Go transfer. And, uh, and and the same thing with, like, if, you know, if your coach, right, if your coach quits, retires, whatever the case is, uh, some significant change like that, yeah, absolutely. Other than that, man, you should have to sit out a year. I mean, that, that's just. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm all about capitalism. I was looking earlier. I want to, I'm glad we're talking about this. Because I also want to talk about Josh, uh, holy Josh, you know, calling us out on the seven deadly sins. Like, he's, you know cleaner than a preacher's sheet, but <laughs> I was looking at Georgia's schedule today because, you know, Georgia, the big, big dog on a block and I had it pulled up. Now I don't. Uh, and I just pulled up L- LSU schedule because you were talking about LSU Man, LSU runs the gauntlet, man. They really do. I mean, they've already played Florida state. They, they Mississippi state, which whatever, I mean, they're not good, but they're in the sec, uh, yeah. played Arkansas, which sec team They played Mississippi, Missouri, Auburn. Then they have a, Army, that'll, that'll be a fairly easy game. But Army always gives people a hard time. Uh, then they have Alabama, Florida, Oof. Oof. and then Georgia State and Texas A&M. And I look at Georgia's schedule, and I'm like, who do they even play? 
you know, I, for the rest of the season, I mean, I'm looking, they play Auburn unranked, Kentucky unranked, Vanderbilt unranked. And then finally they play Florida, number 22, then Missouri, number 23, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. Strength of schedule is not, is not there. They're not going to, they may not lose a game again. Yeah, they, I was going to say they can run the table with that. It's, I don't know. I'm just rooting for Georgia to lose, mainly because I don't like Phil. I, <laughs> I don't like Phil. It's just like, why is hey, he doesn't listen anyway. Sunshine's on a dog's ass. It's like, why does Phil have to like Georgia? He's the best team in college football for a year, one of the best for years. It's right up there with like Dallas Cowboy fans, Ugh. which, by the way, are, are you watching the NFL this year at all? Only because I'm a degenerate gambler, apparently, because of Josh. <laughs> I've got a I've got a game going on in the background right now, and Josh was like, I, I can't remember what we were talking, how it came up, but he goes, I've never gotten into gambling. And I was like, Yeah, I, I'm not a stop calling it gambling. Makes it sound like I'm a degenerate. <laughs> he's like, Okay, how about betting? I'm like, Okay, betting. Okay, I, I can I can get with that. You're betting, betting on games, you know. And then my wife overhears me talk about that. She's like, "You're gambling," and I'm like, "No, it's not betting." And she's like, "How much I'm betting? How much? How much are you gambling?" And I'm like, "It's like a dollar a game, like literally a dollar a game." I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose six dollars <laughs> this week, maybe. Because, but because it, it makes it more entertaining to watch, kind of. It does. It kind does. Of, unless you suck at it, like I do. Like the Cowboys <laughs> were definitely favored in this game against the Cardinals. The Cardinals aren't good. Cowboys are behind, so I put a dollar on the Cowboys to win like 14 cents, whatever it is. And they're getting killed. The Cardinals are, are they losing? 20, are they really? Yeah, 21 to 10. So your Steelers better come through for me because I put like yeah, I put $2 money. on them. <laughs> I put money on the Cowboys too. I think I might have actually put like five bucks because oh. I'm like you. You know, when I bet, you know, I do the same thing. I, I took a dollar on there, right? Carolina game, I may do two or three bucks depending on who they're playing. But uh, I was like, oh, dude, I'll throw $5 on Dallas. That's a, that's a shoe-in. Like, I actually started getting like, hey, dude, like, I've got, you know, $80 on my account. Like, I might throw a 50 on there, right? Maybe I make a couple bucks. <laughs> it, it's, it's amazing. We've talked about it before. I'm, I'm looking at how much I put on the, on the Steelers game real quick. Uh, okay. You put, do, do, do. I think I yeah, bet a dollar on the Steelers right, game. I put, Maybe I two, two, two dollars total. So. But it is, it is absolutely amazing how good the Vegas handicappers are. How on I, earth, like Appalachia State and Wyoming last night. I was like, I, App State's good. They've always been good. I've seen Wyoming play. They're not that good. Uh, Wyoming's not playing at home. Appalachia State can beat them. So I put a dollar on it. And that was going to pay out like four forty two. <laughs> And I was like, I got this. So I'm watching the score the whole time because that game's not on anywhere. But it makes it more fun, right? It's like I wouldn't care about sure. that game. So it's it's entertainment, right? So I'm looking at that, and App State is ahead the entire game, and not just by a little bit, like by you know sixteen to three in the fourth quarter, last five minutes. Wyoming comes back and beats them by two points, and it's like, how did Vegas know that? How did they know? And I looked at the the, the money line, like the line on the the spread. And the spread was like 1.5 points. I'm like, how did you get those numbers? What factors? What are they looking at? Are they using? They've been good at it for a long time, even before AI came around. Yeah, I mean, what are they doing, man? Yeah, I'd be kind of curious if one of our listeners, uh, if they have any background on this, because it, like, we're not just talking about major games. Like, I get it. I mean, me and you could probably sit down on a major game 
and come up with the over under and the money line or whatever, right? But you've got guys, you know, you've got teams like Appalachian State. I mean, who in the hell tracks that team? I mean, I track them a little bit because you know Carolina or, or whatever, and they you know they do their their home and away game with them every year. But like a very 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 small percentage of the country is tracking their you know how good of a team they really are. And I can't say that I, I've watched more than, you know, one whole game because they play Carolina or whatever. Other than that, I never watch them. So they are across the board, especially when you look at all the college games every year and not just college, you know, uh, you know, football, but you talk about basketball and this. I'm like, dude, these guys, I mean, you see how Vegas was built, right? Vegas was not built off winners. Um, Vegas was built off us losing money. And for me and Luke, $1 at a time. But I'm kind of curious if any of our listeners out there have some background uh, info on how these odds are determined, who determines them, uh, because across the, and I'm wondering if it's like a, I don't know, like one central committee. Cause even when you get on, like, uh, if you Google the the NFL odds and you'll see MGM's got their odds and DraftKings got their odds and they're all within like, not even, I don't even say like a half a point, if not the exact same. Right. I, so, I bet it is centralized. I bet it's a whole process, man. And I, I bet it would be super interesting to, to know it. Yeah, if anybody knows anyone who would be willing to come on and talk about it, which it probably wouldn't, because that's probably trade secret type stuff. Oh, yeah. There's a lot oh, of money you know in it. it. But I, get it, I bet it's a whole system where, you know, they run all the numbers. I mean, look look at look at all, all, the, all the statistics, right? Height, weight, for, you know, 40 time, you know, recruiting numbers. And uh, in NFL, it's probably whatever. But they probably run it through an initial algorithm and spit out this and then human eyes probably get on it and factor in like, well, injury report, maybe there's, I don't know, but like it's, um, there's gotta, I be mean, we know system. it's automated because the money line changes instantaneously, right? That's crazy. After every score. And I think that's where you can make some pretty decent money. If you've got the time on a game to watch, because even though we lost money when we were in Arizona, uh, I think it was the LSU game, right? It was LSU, Florida state. Um, and the money line all of a sudden drastic swing, like 400 points one way. It's like, oh man, I got to get my dollar in here because whatever. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, that money line, you know, swung back. So I'd imagine, I mean, well, one, we know it's all automated because it happens so fast, but I'd imagine you could probably make some pretty decent money if you, instead of placing the bets like we do, if you actually start watching the game a little bit and seeing those swings, uh, you wouldn't be able to bet on every game, but you'd have to catch those where the underdog scores first, Right underdog scores first maybe runs back a touchdown dude that's gonna be a 200 point swing on the money line yeah you know and if you get in at that point you can make more yeah if you're a big baller you know you probably yeah turn over and there are professional gamblers you know we know that um see see them well you hear about them all the time but uh i you know with 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 gambling i again i don't consider <laughs> what i what i say to josh it's like no i'm not a crackhead Take those words back. <laughs> I'm a refined, solidified cocaine aficionado. You know, so I, it's like, no, it's, it's different, you know. But like betting a dollar, right, on a game to make it more interesting. Buying a lottery ticket, uh, which I do once a week, sometimes twice, is just for the sheer entertainment value. You know, when I'm bored, you know, driving or something, I think, man, if I won the lottery, I'd open up a, you know, dog rescue or something. But gambling is, is, is different. I've been to Vegas. You've been to Vegas many, many times. I've seen, you know, sitting at the at the One Arm Bandits. My buddy and I sat there for a, for a while, and it, it, I I can feel my mind going to a place where it's like, okay, I can see how people can become addicted to this. Oh then, yeah, yeah. Then you've got your like that movie Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler, where he's just a gambling addict, bad. 
I, uh, that's, that's one thing that's hard for me to understand how someone could get so like legit addicted to it. Cause I could, I could, in my honest moments, I could see myself getting hooked on pain pills. I can see myself being addicted to a substance and have, you know, that could happen. But with gambling, I just don't think that's a possibility, but obviously it's a big thing. Yeah. I never quite, uh, you know, my, my mother's, uh, late ex-husband, um, he was real big into gambling and I, you know, at first I thought it was the money and it's not, it's not, it's like cigarettes. It's like anything else, right? Those endorphins and, you know, it's a psychological thing more as, as opposed to the, you know, the money and making money or whatever, because, He'll win six or seven hundred bucks, like you know, slot machines. But it's like, but you put in a thousand, <laughs> like that's not a win, you know. Or he'll win, you know, he'll go play his twenty, win five, six hundred dollars, and turn right back around and put the five or six hundred back in there, you know. One of the reasons he like, and again, I know there's an entertainment value to it because if we're in Vegas for a while, you obviously have to sit there and gamble a little bit. You can't just get up and go. But dude, I'm a, I'm a percentage guy, you know. If, like if I double my money, I'm out. You know, if I, if I sat down at the table with a hundred bucks and I made a hundred dollars, uh, if I have that, that option, like I'm not stuck there for four hours. Okay. Obviously you're going to, you know, keep playing. But you know, the one thing that gets me is, so I play a lot of roulette. I love roulette and, uh, I like roulette because in my mind, you know, there's 36 numbers and then generally a zero and a double zero. So, you know, if I bet $10, uh, a hand, so, you know, one, $1 chip and I bet 10 numbers or whatever, in theory, once out of every four hands, I should win. That does not work out that way. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> every now and then, I, I, I've been pretty lucky. Uh, but I tell you what, man, it's like that. But that is how I could see people get because that almost gets me. I'm like, because I sit down with a hundred dollars and I bet, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, okay, by the third, fourth hand, I expect to hit a number. Uh, you know, payout's going to be thirty-six to one. Uh, so it's like, okay, great. So that'll carry me for another three point six you know, hands or whatever, and you should have, you should have a win. Uh, but you go five, six, seven in a row and you lose. It's like, well, maybe let me just throw down another hundred because eventually I got to win. Yeah. No, you don't. Nope. <laughs> you don't have to win ever. I, that's one of the things I, uh, I've got these litmus tests, right? Litmus tests on people where I can tell if they're an idiot or not right away. And one of those litmus tests involves flipping a coin 10 times. Okay. If you flip a coin 10 times and it, it comes up heads every single time on, on, this is important on the 10th flip, what are the odds it's going to be heads and still 50, 50, it's still 50, 50, but you would be surprised how many people say it's astronomically low. It's like, no, at the beginning of the bet, at the beginning of the wager, it's astronomical. If somebody said, okay, uh, what do you bet this? What are the odds that this coin, as I flip it, it's going to land on heads 10 times in a row? It's high, astronomical. Because 50 50, sure. you know, you, you follow the statistics and the odds, it's crazy high. But on that 10th flip, it's still 50 50. But pe- yeah. a lot of people don't get that. And that's what you were talking about. It's like, well, I've lost this many times. I mean, surely it's this next one. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, nope. the, the laws of the universe state nobody can be this unlucky. Oh. Well, because it's like the, it's it's just like the theory of relativity, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's relative. The bet and the odds are relative to that specific action. Like you're saying beforehand, yeah, odds of, of ten times in a row. No way, dude. I can tell you for a fact that you can lose ten straight 
uh, at a roulette table. You know, and that's usually my, and that's what my wife and I, we do, we, we sit down and, and a lot of times we play the same numbers, but we both sit down with a hundred dollars. And if I lose that hundred, I'm done. It's like, you know what, we'll come back tomorrow or whatever. And, you know, I play with some blackjack or, or whatever, but, uh, you know, I like to play with the house's money. So hopefully, you know, we get a win or two early and it's like, okay, I'll sit here. And, you know, we try to, uh, we try to be responsible betters, not gamblers, responsible betters. Uh, you know, it's like, Hey man, if I, if I win a, a big hand, eh, I'll take that green chip and throw it in my pocket. You yeah. know, and every time we hit, we hit a big hand, I throw that green chip in my That's, pocket. Yeah. So that way, at least I'm going back with a couple hundred dollars. That's the way to uh, do it. And I could say, yeah, very, very seldomly have we left where, I mean, we've never left and been like, Oh, I'm down four or $500. I'm just not going to put that kind of money out there. No. Right. I'll do a hundred dollars. Maybe you throw another 20, but then, okay, I'm gonna go throw 20 in the uh, penny slot machine. And I can hang out there and have some beers or whatever. So we, when I, back when I was single, went to Vegas for, for a UFC and my buddy and I, we were like, let's, let's do the, you know, let's do a, a Vegas thing where we're going to see how long we can sit at the table without, you know, but as soon as our, I think we put in 200 bucks a piece, we got $200 worth of chips and we're just going to see how long this will last us. And dude, I hit a flush. It was a let them ride. It's like, it's a type of poker game where nobody's playing against anybody. Really. You're, you're, you're playing against the house pretty much. Uh, kind of a, a combination between blackjack and poker. It's a really cool game uh, because everybody can talk to each other at the table, which is kind of interesting. Uh, right. So anyway, I hit a flush and I like tripled my money. Like I had, you know, for, I went from 200 to like 650. It was crazy. So it's like, all right, well, that means we can sit here longer. So every time we won, it was like, that means we can sit here longer. And yeah. we, we ended up sitting at that table like not, not straight, but like for three days in a row for, you know, six to eight hours at a time, you know, and, and eventually we lost all our money, of course, because the house always wins, but I didn't, co- I didn't, I lost $200 and it was a lot of entertainment, you know, yep. got to know the dealers, got to know the people around the table. It was fun. Free drinks. Free drinks. Yeah. yeah. But, and, you know, so the people that get addicted, it's just something in the brain. Like you said, it ain't about money. <laughs> It is depressing though, you know, and you know, the feeling <laughs> when you're down to your last bet, <laughs> you know, it's like that. What's that movie, uh, indecent proposal, you know, where they're at the roulette and they're, oh, it's going to be black. And you reach across, it's like, man, especially back in the days when I was poor, you know, my wife and I would go to Vegas, we had like 50 bucks. Yeah. Not very responsible, but it's like, here's my last $2 in the blackjack. But I'm just like, man. And then, you know, inevitably, you know, the cards come out and it's like a 14, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> this is going to be bad. <laughs> you know? And you just get this feeling of like depression, man. I'm just like, yeah, this sucks. This yeah, sucks. It's all over now. Uh, yeah. I got, we got to go back to Vegas, man. I got to take, my wife's never been. Um, and I'm oh, telling wow. you, I, I tell I, her, I like, it's, it's not what you think. You know, it's just not what you think. You go see a couple of shows, you know, get some good food, get that casino experience. Uh, but her only casino experience, get this, is the, the live casino uh, at Arundel Mills Mall. <laughs> Oh my lord! And she lived to tell about it. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord, man. That place is. Remember, Roy used to go there on his lunch breaks. You remember that? Good lord, dude! I've heard he's really good at uh, craps, though. Uh, he probably is, you know. And I think Jim plays. Uh, he plays a lot of craps as well. So they, you know, I, I've watched it a couple times. I never really got into it. I, I don't. Uh, you know, I need, I need to look more into the odds. You know, I, again, I like the roulette because it's very simple to me, very easy. The problem with blackjack, I used to play blackjack early on, but the problem with that is it just doesn't pay out enough. Yeah. Right. 
you said that you sit at a table with 20 bucks, man, it'll be gone like that because even your wins, they just don't pay out enough. Yep. Uh, like a roulette or something like that. Well, see, but yeah. Craps. You can definitely let it ride. The thing, the thing about Vegas, I didn't know until a few years back is a casino has the right to not let you play anymore. And there are sure. a few people, uh, Dana White, who used to be the president of the UFC, now he's the CEO. He is no longer allowed to go to one of those casinos there because he's just too good. He's just too good at blackjack. Wow. And they, I, it was, I can't remember which casino it was, but they're like, you know, politely, you know, Mr. White, you can, you're no longer welcome here, basically. So he pulled all his UFC events from that casino. He's like, that's BS, man. Just because I'm good. Holy that's cow. It. Like card counting. I think we, maybe we did talk about this maybe a hundred episodes ago where card counting is cheating. It's illegal, right? It's cheating. Sure. Well, how can that be cheating? That's a skill that I have. I figured out the game. Right. Just cause you're, I'm cheating because I'm smart. It's just, yeah. It's, come on. It's, that whole MIT crew that went down there and took Vegas for all that money. And then they did it AC. Yep. It's like, I don't, I mean, I guess casino is their rules, but, I always thought that was interesting. They can bar you for being good at gambling. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're actually winning money. So yeah, you can't come back here. And, and I'm like with you, like with the card counting thing, I mean, of course now they throw like 10 decks yeah, and that's why they don't play it all the way down to the end. Right. They, they use like 10 decks. They play it down to like three decks left. And so it just makes it that much harder uh, to count cards. But to me, if I'm not using anything external and everything's in my head, I mean, one prove that I'm counting cards. Like, yeah. what are you, a mind reader now? You're, you're, you're like the only mind reader. Yet the only, you know, 100 mind readers in, in the world happen to be in Vegas. That's where you know, I'd be or, if I was a mind reader. City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I want to I want to switch roles. Well, actually, talking about the Dana White thing, for our wrestling fans out there. So, you know, they merged now. Um, I forget what it's called, but the company now owns WWE and UFC. And I don't think Dana White's overly happy about that, even though he's the CEO of the whole thing now, uh, because there's a lot of, they want to cross pollinate. I say they, I think some executives want to cross pollinate because they do see, you know, the life of a UFC fighter, man. I mean, you know, if you're successful, you can hang around for a few years. But what I've learned with the UFC is once you get those first couple losses, it's usually over, right? That they, they figured you out. Uh, so it's just very, very tough to stick around. And, and I don't know what the lifespan of a UFC fighter is, but I'd imagine, it's, you know, you probably get a good five, six year run TKO. Thanks. Um, but I think there's this talk and this desire to want to cross pollinate to where, Hey, you're a UFC fighter. You did your five, six fights. And now we're going to bring you over to the WWE and you're going to, you know, kind of like the Brock Lesnar's right. And then you're going to go to WWE and, and become a wrestler for the next 20, 30 years. And, and I think that a lot of the wrestlers are pissed off because it's kind of like, no, this is our profession. Mm -hmm. This is what we do. You're not just going to come in here from the UFC. I mean, you get your freaks of nature, like your Brock Lesnar's Kurt angles, those guys that have a legit amateur background, but it's like, no, you're not just going to come walk into our sport. And then all of a sudden, because you got, you had a name in the UFC and pushed me out and I've been here 20 years doing this. Right. And then you got to look and say, Hey, you know, how many WWE wrestlers are going to go, uh, possibly into the UFC? I mean, we've seen Bobby Lashley do it. You know, obviously Brock Lesnar went from, uh, you know, amateur wrestling and then UFC and then uh, WWE. But I'd be kind of curious to see if there's any uh, that go the other way and kind of work, you know, wondering how the marketing and the promotions are going to work. You know, it's like, do you have, well, one, they want to, they want to legalize betting, right? On the WWE, which is, dude, that's a that's, slippery slope. Yeah. That's like, man, this thing is like truly, truly fixed already as it is. Like, how are you going to bet on something that's already fixed? 
But for those WWE fans out there, and this is due to the writer's strike, and I never even thought about this, but because of the writer's strike, writer's strike, uh, The Rock and Cena aren't doing movies, right? Because mm. a lot of the movie studios are shut down. And so last, uh, one of our listeners, Damon, he hit me up and he's like, oh, you got to watch this SmackDown or whatever. And uh, The Rock makes his, you know, makes his debut at first one in like four years. And then Cena comes out, you know, shortly after. And they were loud pops, dude. They were super, super loud pops. So for those that, uh, if you have YouTube TV or you record it for those wrestling fans out there, uh, definitely go back and not this past one, but I think now it's two weeks ago. Uh, but it'll be kind of curious. I always hate when they bring back the legends like that because they're not hanging around. And so, you know, they're just going to go in there and get their asses kicked because they're going to be expected to put somebody else up. Right. So, you know, Cena is going to get his ass kicked by whoever. And, and the rocks are probably going to lose like Austin theory, whether it's cheating or whatever, but you're, you know, you want to see these wrestlers like when they were back in their prime and their heyday. And it's like, no, they're only coming back because they're going to get involved in a storyline. And at the end of that storyline, they're expected to, to put up the, you know, the, the other younger uh, wrestler. So those that uh, have DVR capability, whatever, go check it out. It was pretty, pretty loud pop. Uh, I don't know if you get anything on that. Yeah. If not, I got a question. <clears throat> I, yeah. Hold, hold the question for just half a second. Um, yeah. The, the merger, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I'm all about, you know, both companies doing well uh, for sure. Cause I, I do like both, both products uh, for sure. For different reasons, obviously, but I do like the performance aspect of both of them. We talked about this. I know there's probably some listeners that when we talk about wrestling, they tune out. Uh, but I know Kurt is not one of them, and I know Russell is not one of them. And we got Ryan, all these people. But I, I love the performance aspect and the athletic aspect of wrestling for different reasons than UFC. I mean, UFC, your life is on the line, but but in wrestling, some of the stuff these guys are doing, your life's on the line there too. What I worry about. Oh, it's incredible. It's, it's, yeah, I was listening to Kurt Angle podcast with Joe Rogan, and I've seen his, you know, biography on AE. Unbelievable how many injuries that dude had. But what I worry about is for the layperson who's getting into UFC, for instance, is does the merger with WWE, where everything is scripted, does that do damage to the credibility of the fights within the UFC? You know, is, is there going to be some, you know, transfer of, oh, well, all this is scripted, you know, some unconscious transfer of, oh, well, it's all just scripted anyway. I, I don't know. I hope that's not the case. I don't think it is. All you got to do is go to a UFC event and see that that, that shit's not scripted. I mean, it's, it's brutal. But, yeah, it will be interesting. I like, you know, hardcore actual wrestlers who are really good, have been in for a long time. You know, I've been listening to all these podcasts and watching the A&E biography. Is, I think that when the athlete – the, the athlete comes off the straight off the football field or straight out of the UFC. It goes right into wrestling is without the type of lumps that your Kurt angles had to put in before they even let him get in the ring. They made him go down to the South and wrestle down there, you know, so you can yeah. learn how to do it. The, the guys who like the Ken Shamrocks, remember he, he went over, uh, Kane, yep. Kane Velasquez. I've heard that those guys, when they came over, they were just so stiff. They were so stiff and they were hurting folks. Like, uh, what was his name? Goldberg. Goldberg's probably one of the stiffest oh, yeah. wrestlers ever, and he was super strong. It's like that, your old school wrestler who's who's put in the, the time and the lumps, they're scared to get in the ring with them because this guy's going to hurt me because he doesn't know how to do the moves. And, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there are a few UFC fighters that could make that transition. If anything, they're seeing people like Conor McGregor, and they're just like, holy crap, we can make a ton of money. Oh, yeah. 
and you know, like the uh, Jake Pauls or whoever, whichever Paul brother it was that went over there, Logan, I think. Uh, what I'd really like to see before we move on is for them to get a major boxing promotion in there as well. So WWE boxing sucks. I know, but it could be good. That's so the horrible. problem. Is that, it, yeah, it could be. And you know, I think that somebody like Dana White and Vince McMahon for how much ever time he has left, that dude's 70. He's two years younger than Biden. And he looks like a bull. That guy's incredible. But if they could get a legit boxing promotion in there, you know, make boxing great again, you know, I, I think that that would be really cool. And maybe, <laughs> maybe that's where they're going with it. I don't know. I don't know that they want boxing because, I mean, here, make no mistake about it. The reason why MMA and UFC is so successful is because boxing sucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you had, you know, once Tyson went away, uh, you know, Lennox Lewis was there for a little bit, you know, Holyfield. But, you know, to me, I think once Lennox Lewis, it seems, once he retired, um, and even before then, you know, I, I want to say towards the end of the, the Tyson years, just because of the level of competition you had and the, and the personalities involved. But, you know, half of the fights were fixed. We know that. Uh, it just was boring, man. You know, they, they had a, a lot of these paper fights. And the reason, you know, that was the time when the UFC was coming up. And, and believe me, the reason why people liked the UFC, especially for, well, I'll put it this way. The reason I liked the UFC was, man, it was real. You know, it was real. And, and, and when I say real, you know, there's a difference between obviously watching a wrestling match, in the WWE, where, you know, they'll sit there and they'll slug it out in front of each other. And this, hey, man, they watch the UFC. That doesn't happen. Very, very seldom does, does, does something like that where two guys are just going to stand there and just punch each other in the face. Because you know what? That shit hurts, right? Like nobody likes getting punched in the face. I don't care what you do. And so the UFC was real. And, and it was just this feeling that that boxing just like, and you know what? Half this stuff's probably fixed anyway. The personalities aren't there. Then you've got all the different federations and this and that. And it's just like, you know what? Screw it. And Dana White, you know, being the shrewd businessman that he is, turned into a billion-dollar empire. And he, you know, there are a couple of the match. The matches are so hard to make in boxing too. You never get two guys at their prime. Yeah, ever. It's like you know, and, and Floyd Mayweather is partly to blame for that because he's like, I ain't, I ain't fighting Manny Pacquiao in his prime. Are you crazy? I'll fight him ten years from yeah. now, but I'm not going to risk that loss. And but there are a couple of good fighters out there now, like Tyson Fury. Have you you watched any of his fights? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that guy is something special. And I, I looked at it, you know, because his physique, I mean, his physique doesn't look like. <laughs> he does not look. Yeah. He, he, the Gypsy King is what they call him. He, well, I mean, look at him with Deont, was it Dante or Deontay, Deontay Wilder, Wilder yeah. you know, when they had that. I mean, just oh, by, I know it's stereotyping, but just looking at you, like, Tyson Fury is going to get killed. He's going right? to get killed. Yeah. And it, like at Ruiz back in the day, he was the same way. Just this fat looking dude. It just doesn't look like he's in shape, but he's just a thunder cannon. But yeah, I mean, Tyson Fury is fun to watch. He's tough. He's a gypsy, like a self-proclaimed, I am a gypsy. I am Europe's white trash and whatever. You can do with that what you want. He is so good, though. He is so good. It's it's crazy. He He's fighting a former or a UFC fighter pretty soon, Francis Ngannou, and he's just going to kill Francis. He's just going to kill him because it's a boxing match gonna kill it it's gonna be yeah i've watched a couple of his fights and it's uh same thing you just said man you seem just like man this dude's gonna get knocked out in like the first three rounds or whatever you know he he's the closest dude packs thing. a punch he, he does and that it's oh josh is oh we got to cover josh before we before we get off we got I, I don't i don't even want to wait to make that announcement but he reminds me tyson fury is probably the closest thing to muhammad ali that the boxing world has seen since muhammad ali he is. He, he's, <laughs> right. he's that good. But anyway, what, what, what question were you going to ask? 
Well, I was going to shift focus a little bit to politics, obviously, but uh, Bob Mendez, man. So, what do you think, guy guilty? Uh, guilty. G- give us your give us give us your take on the Bob Mendez, Senator Mendez. That guy. So he he or Menendez. Menendez. I'm sorry. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. He's had he got acquitted of something similar, but not as in your face, not as egregious. Uh, he got acquitted because the jury couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't decide on it. Right. This one, gold bars, envelopes full of cash. You know, uh, I think it's mainly the gold like, bars, dude. Gold bars. It's like, dude, what are you that James Bond movie or something? It, from Egypt, all with Egypt, right, or most of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, most God. of it. And you know, here's the thing: it's like uh, people on both sides are doing it. It's oh, like absolutely. It was, oh, I'm so glad Menendez got. Yeah, me too. You know, he's corrupt, but to me, it doesn't make a. a damn bit of difference if he's a Democrat or Republican. I'm not going to circle my wagon around a Republican who's got gold bars and envelopes full of cash at his house. It's like all of them are, do- not all of them, a lot of them are doing it. So it's like, good, caught another one, burning down. Democrats don't circle your wagons. And it doesn't look like they are, by the way. I think they're going to let this guy mm-hmm. burn. But he's a sacrificial lamb. It's like, look, see how clean we are on the Democrat side. We don't, we don't stand for this stuff. You know, so Biden, since we're not doing it to Biden, he must be clean. I, I, but again, this has been a long investigation, I think. It is a long time coming. Uh, crooked, just just crooked. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, I agree with you. I, I think they're going to let him burn because as far as the Democrats go, you almost have to, right? I mean, because you get all this stuff going on with Hunter Biden, all this stuff, and now they're trying to tie Joe with, Menendez are like, hey, there's some emails there that are linking the two together. Now, for, I was actually looking for the or the uh, text you sent out uh, with a tweet, basically saying, you know, hey, dumbass, you're supposed to run all this stuff through your through your son. Yeah, uh, he goes, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bob, you're supposed to launder money through your son. Amateur hour in New Jersey <laughs> from Joe Biden. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know. Uh, you go back to Hunter Biden and and Joe, and, and you said this before, and I kind of uh, I didn't give as much thought until you know you start having conversations on Twitter. It, it's influence peddling and plausible deniability. That's exactly what it is. People are like, "Show me the facts." Where's the ev-? dude? There is so much evidence there. It is influence peddling and plausible deniability. That is exactly what is happening. Uh, now, can you prosecute over that? And said, I get it. You have to have paper trails or whatever, but. I think when you look at the, uh, you know, believe me, Bob Menendez is not the only senator doing this, right? Pretty clear. And, oh, by the way, uh, people knew what he was doing. And there are other people involved in this thing. So what will be interesting is if he does end up burning, uh, does anybody go with him? Does he start taking – because you got you to gotta believe that there's a circle four or five, probably both GOP and Democrats, right? It's not just, just the Democrats are the bad guys. GOP is just as bad. Uh, but you got to wonder if other things come from this. Uh, and then I'll be kind of curious to see where this prosecution goes. You know, uh, d- does he start to throw some names out there and then all of a sudden he's like, Oh, you know what? Maybe we don't prosecute him to the, to the fullest extent of the law. I mean, do you think there's uh you think there's any ties there maybe with, with Joe or, or some other senators that end up coming out of the, the woodwork? Uh, from him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, spinning off the investigation, maybe, but I don't know. These people, you know, I don't want to get conspiratorial. I always said I don't want to get conspiratorial, but <laughs> I'm going to say this, that the tendrils of corruption and just dirty, dirty stuff run deep in D.C. 
uh, obviously, yeah. right? So you had, uh, and I blanked on the guy's name that got shot, Paul, the guy that got shot, the Clinton aide that got gunned down in a robbery oh, at five in the morning, you know, because he had dirt on, on the Clinton. All, you know, the, there, there's some, there's some, where there's smoke, there's fire. And, you know, uh, I have information that, you know, would lead to the indictment of Hillary Clinton. You know, a lot of people find those themselves dead. You know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, found himself dead, uh, mysteriously dead. And back to Menendez, it's like, if he starts ratting people out, there are, I guarantee there are backhanded threats, you know, like, like threats that are being made that, that are, don't even need to be stated. He's seen enough to know that if he does anything like that, it's, it's not going to be good. That said, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, I think he's going to go down. I don't know if he'll do any jail time. We'll see. But these, these politicians always seem to skate. But, you know, the days of Kay Bailey Hutchison, you know, back in the 90s, I was in college, and Kay Bailey Hutchison got caught doing some campaign finance stuff, right? That was, mm-hmm. that was pretty illegal. <laughs> and she got up and made a speech uh, at, to Congress, uh, basically saying, I didn't do anything that all of you are doing already. And if you try to do this to me, I will burn this place to the ground. I'm taking every one yep. of you with me. And she didn't say those words, but that's what I that's what I got from it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is dirty. And guess what happened to Kay Bailey Hutchison? Nothing. She got us, you know, uh ambassadorship to NATO later on, you know, and whatever. So yeah, I just it doesn't do anything to boost my confidence in the in our uh in our uh representatives. That's for sure. Well, especially when it's so blatant, right? I mean, you got these guys that you know, it's one thing for you know, with the, like a Trump where you, he comes in theoretically as a millionaire or a billionaire or whatever you believe his, his finances are. And, you know, he, he's already got that kind of money versus people that come in are elected, you know, off your 170 some thousand dollars a year. Next thing you know, you're worth like 50 million. That's like, so you weren't a financial genius at any point up at any time up until this point in your life. All of a sudden, you're elected, and now you're a financial genius, dude. It's it's clear, it's, it's plain as day. And I kind of like what you know. Josh has thrown this out there a couple of times, you know, where and I think there's even a bill that's being introduced now where you know you, they can't actively trade, um, and, and a lot of that stuff gets hard, right? Like, you know, how far do you take that? Does that impact 401ks and IRAs? I mean, it gets really, really one. It'll never pass. Let, let's be real. We all sit here and talk about it. it's it's a pipe dream. It'll never pass. But uh, just like term limits, term limits will never pass either, right? But uh, you know, you were poor for most of your life or not a millionaire, you get elected and then all of a sudden you're worth 50 million. Look like the Pelosi's, right? So now you're a financial genius. You couldn't make a hundred million before now, but now all of a sudden you're smart. But dude, it's, it's very clear. Yeah. And I think it's human nature. You know, I mean, I think like Dan Crenshaw, for instance, he's one of the top earners uh, in, in Congress and all of Congress. He's like number seven on the list or something of how much he's actually worth, you know, compared to how he, where he started. I think it's human nature. Everyone starts out. And it's like, well, what I'm doing here is not necessarily illegal. Like, okay, this person, this, this group is going to pay me X amount of dollars to go speak at their event. Right. And mm-hmm. it's a lot, you know, $75,000 to speak at an event or something, or that'll go into your campaign or whatever it is. You go speak at the event. Cause that's not illegal. I've looked at the rules. That's not illegal. And maybe you meet somebody sure. at the event. And the person you meet at the event said, hey, here's my son, Johnny. And he's really trying to get into Yale Law. You know, it really would mean a lot to me if you would, uh, 
you know, maybe write a letter recommending him. Sure, I'll write the letter. Maybe you say you do it for free. And that person sends you a you know, voucher for a trip to Tahiti or something. Hey, I just wanted to thank you for helping me. You know, I mean, gifts and stuff like that. You know, I, it start, I think it starts off innocent with a lot of these people. They feel the power sure. and they just, and then it just goes. But yeah, it's, it's with, with what, with the stuff that comes through Congress, obviously you have the inside track on the stock market and that's just all there is to it. What to short, what not to short, yep. uh, when something's gonna, you know, when there's going to be an IPO, you know, I mean, certain committees in Congress, man, make a lot of money off that. Make a lot of money defense off contracts, Oof. money going to Ukraine. So real quick, because I know we got a few minutes left here. Uh, I actually want to, I'll leave it up to you. So Josh sent us a text because he obviously is not with us. He's here with us in spirit. And and Josh's text says, you guys right now, Roger, Trump is up big on Biden. I feel the tide turning. People really want Trump. Can't wait to vote for him. And then he says, Luke, yeah, crazy. <laughs> Dude's got 2016 energy. He is so anti-Trump at this point. It, it's almost funny, right? It's almost funny. And it, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw out the uh, the Trump thing and, and get your your overall thoughts. Has anything changed? Um, you know, he's had the indictments, his poll numbers keep going up. And again, I get it. They're polls, right? And, and I think you threw it out there the other day, how Fox News conducts his polls and, and you know, random phone calls. And it, it's all junk, which is why the numbers are off so much. But uh, I had something else, but I forgot what it was. So you want to jump on the uh, jump on the uh, the Trump topic and, and give us some final thoughts on that? Well, the, the big thing was uh, with the Trump stuff, I, funny, funny, Josh, right? Uh was I, I, I messaged you guys and said, I bet Roger, when he wakes up and sees the ABC Washington Post poll, will have a moment of ecstasy, put it to that way, where it, it shows that Trump is up 10 points in the general against Biden. I don't believe that. I just I just no. do not believe that. And I, looking into the poll, uh, it was weighted really heavy with young voters. And I'm like, well, then I definitely don't believe this. What young voters did you talk? Did you call Nick Sandman and talk to all his friends? Is that what it was? I mean, I, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. So with Trump, uh, again, is I, I'm 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 going all Kurt Schlichter with this. It's like I don't think he's the best candidate in the general. I just don't. Uh, but if he is, if he is the nominee, I will vote for him. I get what you see. Kemp came out and said that he would back him if he uh, became the nominee. Really? Yep. Well, I mean, I, I think that you're not a true. Uh, this is such well. He basically stupid. said, "Hey, he's better than Biden." So yeah. anybody's better than Biden, and so yeah, you would vote. Yeah, you know that option. Anybody, then. anybody is yeah. Anybody's better than Biden. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that Mitt Romney's better than Biden. Ugh, ugh. But yeah, I, I with with Trump, it's it's strange. He's better than Biden. He's better than anybody on that side of the aisle, as far as I see. Like if Mansion runs, even Mansion, I I don't know, you know. But I'd vote for whatever. I, it's hard to say. I'd vote for Mansion over Romney. How about that? You know what I'm saying? I, I'd vote for Manchino Romney. I, so I, I, my feelings on Trump haven't really changed, although I will say that the more I talk about it, uh, the more you know you bring up certain points about like Michigan, Pennsylvania, especially Michigan. Um, I think that there is a semi-believable path to victory. It's not completely out of the realm that Trump could win. Um, I just see a lot of people staying home if, uh, if Biden, when Biden runs, I, I see a lot of people staying home and, uh, Larry Elder brought up a good point today. Uh, he said that, uh, cause I think Maria Bartiromo was saying, well, what about, you know, do you think Biden's going to run? He's like, ah, you know, he has to, 
Uh, she's like, well, why? She goes, he goes, well, because if they run, if they run Kamala, they know they're going to lose, and they can't they can't run Gavin Newsom instead of Kamala because they will lose a significant right. portion of the black female vote, a significant portion. Because he was saying people don't understand how popular she is with the uh, with black female voters in general, and it's hard for us to believe that, you know, because God, she's just such an idiot. But for a lot of people, it's all about identity politics. It has nothing to do with substance. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. And I, I think you're right. I think that we'll see what happens in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. But I don't. I don't think that uh, there's anything DeSantis can do really. I, I just. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, you run out of answers on that stuff because you know we were going back and forth with Josh over the week, and you know he was talking about the MAGA crowd and this and that, and. One of the, and I hadn't really thought of it, and you know, with this from this perspective until we were chatting back and forth. But it's not even the Trump supporters, right? And it's not Trump's job to give support to other candidates. The other, you know, like Trump just needs to drop out, drop out, drop out, whatever. The other candidates need to garner their own support. And let's say you take Trump, let's say you take the polls for what they are, and he's at 55% uh, of, of the. Republican votes right now, right? Uh, if you look at 538, he's at 55%. That means there's 45% left out there. And here's what is disappointing from the Ron DeSantis campaign is, hey, your job is to grab that other 45. Maybe that's the maybe that's the solution. That's the path you should take where, hey, forget about those 55 that went to Trump. We need to make this a, a two-person race because I do think Ron will hold his own on a one-on-one debate. And I think he's got great past performance from Florida. But maybe the answer is, hey, screw that other 55. Like, I need to secure this 45. Uh, because right now he's getting his ass kicked by Nikki Haley. Uh, when you look at, like, New Hampshire, I think he's actually tied with Chris Christie, of all people. Oh, yeah. Like, seriously, dude? Like, dude, if you were tied with Chris Christie anywhere, you have problems. You have some serious problems. That's why it's going to be so interesting to see how it goes. Because I do know that Chris Christie has put all his eggs in the New Hampshire basket. I know he's done that. Yeah. And so he's put a lot of groundwork there, a lot of legwork, a lot of money. But, yeah, DeSantis, again, could be running a better campaign for sure. He could. But every one of those candidates are hamstrung uh, by Trump in the fact that the media wants Trump to win. The Trump takes the air out of any room where his, he has anything to do with what's going on in the room, like the last debate. He took the air out of the room. He wasn't even there. Sure. You know, everybody's thinking <laughs> about Trump. Everybody's going to be thinking about Trump in this next debate. So it's like, could could DeSantis be running a better campaign? Absolutely, sure. But it's so difficult when Trump's on the ticket. It's just, the, me, the media is the big thing. The media wants to talk about Trump all the time. The media definitely wants Trump. I'm telling you this. The media wants Trump to be president again. Like the CEOs oh, sure. do. Maybe the reporters don't, but the CEOs do. Man, are you kidding? He's great for business. So it's like, it's just tough. It's going to be tough for any candidate. And, you know, maybe DeSantis is thinking, you know what? This is just a good thing to get my name out there and not make myself look like a complete ass and, you know, run again at 28. Who knows? And I've decided, though, Roger, that I, I think that we should save the Josh announcement for when he's actually here because Josh has got some big news and I don't want to. I don't want to say it. Well, it's not, it's a, <laughs> big news in a good way, uh, I guess. Uh, but interesting news. How about that? I, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. I want him to be here so he can defend himself. Sure. 
And, you know, and I think, you know, we've said it before that the Trump path is difficult. I do believe his path to victory lies in what you just said, that voters will stay home. Uh, I'm not necessarily as pessimistic as Josh is where he can't win. I I think he can win. Um, And I, you know, when you look at, you know, again, the numbers here in Arizona, the numbers in Georgia, they lost by man, 10, 11,000 votes is nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Especially if your, your base is fired up. Uh, But I think that, he's really, really going to have to count on some Biden voters just not showing up. I mean, maybe it's the exact same thing that happened. That got elected, you know, Trump elected in 2016 where people are like, Oh yeah, yeah, I voted for the other guy. Yeah. You went in there and you closet voted for Trump. Right. Maybe it's a lot of the, Oh yeah, yeah I voted, I voted for Biden. And then all of a sudden you see that, wow, he didn't get 81 million votes. Maybe he only, maybe only 75 million show up, right? Yeah. 75 million show up depending on the States. And, and all it takes is 10, 15,000 from each state. Um, but I think that's a big role is, or that's going to be a key to victory is he's going to have to have democratic voters stay at home. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we both, you both have, have said it before. He's great at getting his voter base out. He's also talking about Trump. He's also great at getting the other guys voter base out that are voting just because, you know, he's on the ticket. And again, I think it'll be fun. I think if, if he's the nominee, it'll be fun to watch, um, watch what happens, you know, Oh, uh, when's the next debate Wednesday. Wednesday doing our Slack channel, right? Yeah, for sure. I was hoping maybe, uh, you're gonna be on the road. Uh, no, I'm, I'm home all week. Well, shoot, man. We'll, we'll lay a quick one down afterwards. That's always fun. Maybe, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, be interesting with Trump. I want to give a shout out to, uh, Kurt, uh, a big win, uh, six man football, Claude high school, six man football just blew out meadow. Uh, I think it was a high school. Might have been junior high. Either way, big blowout. That was a big win for them because uh, <laughs> six-man football, man, you got what you – you know, there's the small schools. Are you familiar with six-man football? Uh-uh. Oh, well, six-man football is when a school is not big enough to uh, field 11 dudes, you know. It's just not uh-huh. enough kids. So they play a, a sure. version of football called six-man. It's all running. It is all running. So, man, with these small schools, you got what you got. You know, it's very – I mean, it's, it's almost luck. You know, like we happen to have four fast kids this year, like super fast. And, you know, size isn't necessarily as big a deal in six man, uh, different rules. Sure. But, uh, yeah. So I know that Claude was uh, kind of hurting because uh, some of their some of their athletes uh, got hurt. Maybe not the luck of the draw. So then that not necessarily a rough season because on the beginning, man, they, they just had a great win. Curse the coach. So congratulations. To but Kurt's always looking forward to basketball season. That, that's his deal. So he's a basketball coach. But uh, anyway, so congratulations to Kurt and um, gave a few shout outs this time, but uh, I always forget somebody, but listen next time. Maybe I'll remember you. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got, Roger. All right, man. Hey, thanks for everybody out there that continues to listen to us. You know, it's kind of crazy because, uh, you know, our episodes haven't come out as, uh, you know, as numerous as, as they were in the, in the first year that we were doing this, but you know, you brought up a valid point then, you know, COVID, everything was shut down and, you know, so we had nothing but time. So it gets harder and harder as, as our viewers and listeners see to get all three of us together. Uh, so we're trying to get some stuff out on a, on a pretty regular schedule, but you know, amazingly, uh, our followers, man, stay consistent. We don't really have that much of a drop off. So, you know, maybe they're, uh, they're still liking what we're putting out there. So thanks for everybody who's, who's stuck by us, keeps listening, uh, keep your canteen cups tightly secured.